I'm Dave Monaco, Alan Meyer Family Head of School at Parish Episcopal School. Welcome to From My Angle. And for prospective parents at a place like Parish who are, who are beginning to look at the college experience, these are important questions to be asking, right? Like, in Absolutely. addition to a robust uh, uh, romance languages program or your British literature program, which is phenomenal, and I'm not casting aspersions again as two liberal arts guys, we get the value of liberal arts education, but I think how are schools like Hamilton and Oberlin, if you're looking at those small into, uh, liberal arts schools, how, how, are they, how are they mixing the, uh, I think, inarguable development of the uh, cognitive skills, the creative thinking skills, the writing skills, how are they mixing that with pedagogy and subject matter that uh, connects individuals to the, the, the world beyond the campus? Ask those questions. What do your internship programs look like? You know, how does service and, and meaningful work come into your studies? These, I think, are important questions for a, a prospective a perspective, um, uh, family to be, to be asking. But innovation is the key to, to value proposition in my estimation. So we're looking at, seat, uh, at mastery, not seat time, being a, a driver of the learning experience. We're looking at learning that is active and hands-on and engaged, that keeps uh, passion and joy high and hopefully uh, drops some of the anxiety and mental pressures that are so much a part of trying to get into that narrow band of 50 schools that seems to uh, choke off the, any love of learning. Talk about, uh, in particular, two or three, you've mentioned the football field, you've hinted at the work college, and I want to get into that. Let's talk about these innovations that, sure. that you've developed here and why you think they're so critical, both in designing the new higher ed model, but also bringing meaningful learning to the you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds that are in your charge here. So we function with a really simple standard, right? Does it make sense, right? Just does it make sense? And how would we have wanted to be treated? How would we have wanted to have been engaged with, all right? So I was a student that picked things up very quickly, which was problematic because it meant I spent a lot of time sitting in class just bored, right? right? And that doesn't always go well, right? And so what I try and do here is push folks to say, if you were in class, what class would have, what design would have been interesting mm -hmm. to you? Would it have been fun for you to sit here for two hours and listen to Professor Drone on? Or would you have wanted an opportunity to immerse yourself in something you cared about, yep. right? And once you approach it differently, you can do that. So we, we looked around and we, we just said, look, if all we're going to do is what everybody else does, why would we, why, why, would, why would anyone care? Right. Right? We don't have enough money to... <laughs> Chase Dr. Turner at SMU, right? right. Just, redesign, just redesign another SMU out here in South Dallas. Like, that, right? like we don't have that. I was like, and thankfully, he actually is respond. He's doing the same thing we are except he's got a different clientele. Right. So SMU speaks to the needs of the community it serves. Mm -hmm. Paul Quinn defines its community differently. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna speak to those issues. If you are in Highland Park, mm -hmm. you have a different set of issues mm -hmm. than you do if you are in Highland Hills, Right. okay? I mean, you can just look at the highway and tell the difference, right? If you're at 
SMU is 75. You come south, we get a discount, and we're, our highway is 45. It's the same highway, right? It's just they discounted it to be in this part of town. So we, we looked around and said, let's address the issues of the communities we serve, number one. Let's develop an institution that can respond to those things. We're in a food desert, so let's deal with the issue of food insecurity. We have environmental justice issues because of a garbage dump. Let's teach the students in the community to use their voices in responding so to So you're this. building courses that are actually addressing we, those issues? We are building an institution, mm -hmm. right? right? So we're saying we're going to take the whole thing on, right, as an institution. The staff, the students, yep. the faculty, but we are all in on this notion of we over me. The needs of a community supersede the wants of an individual. So it gives us the flexibility and the innovation space to be able to evolve rapidly. Now, there are lots of different ways to define innovation. MIT looks at innovation and they're dealing with it in the rarest of, of venues, right? Stanford, much the same way. We like to refer to them as Neiman Marcus examples of innovation, okay? Everybody can't shop there. Mm -hmm. Everybody doesn't want to shop there. Right. We look at our innovation and we say our students shop at Walmart. Their families shop at Walmart. So how about our innovation be the Walmart version of innovation where there's places here for everyone and let's deal with the issues that the majority of people have. One of those issues was affordability and access. Mm -hmm. So we said, school's too expensive. I'm not gonna hide behind the curtain when, you know, every semester my students used to come to me stressed out because they couldn't afford school. They weren't taking, they weren't lying on their FAFSA forms. Yep. 90% of our students on, in a regular year, 85 to 90% of our students are Pell Grant eligible. 70% of those students have zero expected family contributions. They didn't have it. And for me to sit here and to be callous mm -hmm. or, or ignore the pain that they were in just seemed ridiculous. Right. So the other piece that we were paying attention to was our students weren't prepared enough. They were going out to jobs that they weren't prepared to succeed at a high level. And you and I both know that the worst thing that you can do is to have your alums not be prepared to succeed at the highest level. Whatever that level is for them, they have to be able to succeed. Right. So we got lucky. We were out recruiting, or I was out recruiting, um, was in Detroit, and was introduced to a school called Detroit Cristo Rey, which was a work high school. Yep. I they go do in one day a week, one day a week out in uh, in the community. This is uh, uh, these are high school yeah, high schools. These are high schools, so it's a work high school. Yep. The president of the school walks me through the model. I say to him, "Why wouldn't this work in higher ed?" He right. said, "Well, they're the work colleges." I said, "I know the work colleges. Those are all in rural." I said, "They are amazing, Not but they're all in rural areas. Why wouldn't your model work?" in an urban area at a higher education yep. institution. Yep. He said, no one's tried it. We came back, we did the research. I went out to Berea College mm -hmm. yep. uh, Kentucky. in Kentucky yep. um, and met with the folks at the Work College Consortium, you know, really put this together and came back and the board said, let's try it. Mm -hmm. And we tried it 
and it's a huge hit. So essentially, you were the first uh, historically black college to become a war college. It, it uh, is the list of firsts. We're the first historically black college that's a work college. First urban. We're the first minority serving institution yep. that's a work college. We're the first work college in Texas. We, and then we made up our own version of the work college. We're the first urban work college. Yep. So there was no model that existed before we made it up. I think there are nine across the country. There are nine across the nine, country. Nine we're the, work colleges across we're the, the country. eighth work college member. We're the eighth member of the work college consortium now. Um, and, and essentially, for, for our families that wouldn't necessarily understand it, if they're out there looking for them, they are generally in rural areas. There is a reduced tuition, which is offset by uh, employers, uh, or, in or your the, case, the students or work. work on campus, where uh, where students are putting in commensurate work to offset the, yeah. the, the tuition costs. And for us, the students, first couple of years can work on campus, right. then they go off oh. campus. And a couple of things, everyone who lives on campus works, and you are required to have a work college transcript. Right. So the work and the academics are weighted equally. Um, and so that that innovation has resulted in the last three years, enrollment is all is doubled. The um, we we've had waiting lists for the first time in 146 year history. We're out of space on campus. So we've got to put students up in apartments. Um, we've raised the academic requirements. It's now the minimum is a 2.75 to attend. And we still have real issues trying to accommodate all the interests. Um, and what's coming next is we're creating a whole new model of pedagogy uh, around this idea that why don't we marry experiential learning, which is you know the pre-professional work stuff, with a new version of the liberal arts, with project-based learning, and use the projects as examples from students realize. Why don't we teach them to solve the issues of their lives? Yeah, and that's where they're developing a portfolio of skills, and that portfolio of skills is really what they're going to carry with them uh, through, through a lifetime. Thanks for listening. Look forward to future editions of this podcast, which will feature my speaking to the community in the chapel space, some of my writing, and also, as in this edition, my visits to colleges and universities during this school year.